And welcome back, everybody, to the For Film Sake podcast. My name is Brian Archija, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. I just found a pen. You just found a pen. There we go. <laughs> There's the we were pen. looking for a pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, before anything else, uh, today we're going to be talking about Birdman. Yes, yes. Uh, the 2000, 2015, right? Yeah, 2014. 2014. Yeah. Uh, with Alejandro Yes. as director, Michael Keaton mm-hmm. as the main lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But before anything else, I just want to share this episode 47. 47. Of the podcast, which is a little bit insane, doing yeah, it for yeah. forty-seven weeks. So we're getting close to our year, our year-long mark. Yes, yes. And it's exciting. And also, Chris got a new microphone, and I'm jealous of that microphone because it's fucking gold and black. I mean, it's gold and black, but it just looks black because we put the other uh, pop filter yeah. on it. So yeah, but but it's still sexy. You have though. to put the pop filter. So Chris got a new microphone, and I have headphones again. Yes. And I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah. I am I am conflicted in this nature. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about it for a while. I'm like, eventually we'll have headphones for the for the room and uh, guests, and now we have it. And it's pretty good. It but is. I don't know how I feel about it because like I don't know if I should put both ears on or just have like one ear out. One like ear perfectly, yeah. So and you can hear what's going on the inside and outside right it, yeah. it's just it's a confusing thing for me yet yeah. uh but yeah episode 47 and we're almost to a year long mark yeah and i was looking at the stats the other day and none of our tracks have anything less than 15 plays mm. so mm. there's at least a recurring 16 people yeah that are coming back and are listening to the podcast and almost every episode is above the 30 play mark yeah and it's insane. So it's so great. I mean, let's let's be real. Though. I mean, honestly, it's just me and you listening to them like 15 times a piece <laughs> <laughs> over and over. <laughs> That's all it really is. <laughs> it's it's still like like means a lot cuz I, I still yeah. hear from people yes. that they've listened to the podcast and yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, I didn't know you listened to the podcast. How yeah. long have you been listening?" I find out they've been listening for like 10 weeks, 11 nice. weeks. Very nice. And it's uh it's, it's just a it's just a super nice feeling and I get people talking to me about the podcast all the time and yes. I was like, "I I welcome it." <laughs> also, I just scratched my beard. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm wearing headphones, I can totally hear what you were talking about. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to do? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, we should go with the ketchup. ketchup. Do you have anything to say? Uh, ketchup, mustard, uh, the relish, and all the condiments together. Uh, today, uh, I seen the rival this past week, man. Oh, yeah. What did you think about it? I thought it was very similar to Contact with Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh, I guess, like an early 90s movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Contact, it's, like, it's not so much about seeing the aliens or anything like that. It's um, the communication and how can we communicate with them. And uh, Arrival was very similar. It was communication. How can we communicate with them? In this uh, movie, it was linguistics as yeah. opposed to you know the technology and, and Contact. Really, really, really good movie. I, I like the idea of it. It made me think of, again about what is deja vu? What is time? You know, this mm-hmm. is not linear. It's not just from one point to point A to point B. You know, and the way that they communicated was in a nonlinear structure. So right. when um, our main character, Amy Adams, in the movie, when mm-hmm. she started to think like they did uh, in a nonlinear structure, she began to dream like they right. did nonlinear. So she was able to see her past and future, you know, at the same time. You that know, part was, fucked me up. Because really like, cool. the movie, I had no idea that was like what was leading up to the movie. Yeah. So like the twist of the movie caught me completely off guard because mm. uh, they hit it pretty well. It was nice. I mean, yeah. it's like the opening scene was um, Amy. I mean, yeah, Amy Adams and the daughter. Mm-hmm. So immediately, you know, this is connected. The, the daughter right. and the mom, because it's the first shot. You know, but I'm like, how is this? Because I'm like, you don't know if that's a flashback or what it is. I you thought was, it was a flashback throughout the entirety of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
And then they were like, oh, I'm no. single. Oh, wait, what the fuck? It's a flash forward. Uh, uh, okay. So yeah. that was a few. What? <laughs> it, it, it gave it away for me at the midpoint where um, she was having what I thought was a flashback. Mm-hmm. And um, her daughter is asking. She's like, I need. I, what's a word for? Um, it's like a win-win. Oh, yeah. It was like non-zero sum game. Yeah, yeah. It was like compromise. Was like, no, non-zero sum game. And um, before that, it was like, well, if you. It's like, no, it's more science-y. It's like, if you want science, ask your father. Yeah. And the scene right before that, we found out Jimmy Renner was like super into science, yada, yada, yada. So then I was like, hold on. Something might be there. That was. That was the, the first time too that I started thinking about it yeah. that it might be the future, mm-hmm. but I didn't I, I didn't think about no, it at any point until the end. No, until right. the end, and yeah. it was great. It oh, was yeah. a great delivery to like a, a great twist. Yeah. I really really liked that movie. I did too. I like the idea that it wasn't based on any sort of bi- violence. No, no. It was just like oh we got to learn the language. Yeah, and they were actually looking for help from humans and yes. teaching them the language so that they could communicate and yeah. help in three thousand years. Yeah. And, it was a great concept. It was a great concept film. It and was. I really, really liked it. I liked it all. Fixed Amy Adams for me. I had a problem with her before, just because of the type of movie she had what, done. I don't even. What was? What is this? All this Amy Adams stuff? Like, who is she? Like, I. What, what do I know Amy Adams from? She was. Well, she was in the DC universe. She was a mm-hmm. Lois Lane in okay. the DC universe, right. which is where my problems with her come from, because she's just not a great DC lady. I mean, person. Has she? But the movies like, aren't great. Has she been in like non like a Marvel DC movies? I've seen a couple of them and I don't remember them. Okay. Like I know I've seen her in something else, but I don't yeah. remember what it is. Okay. Um, but uh, I just I just never believed her as an actress in terms of like, she, how do you say it? When you see Ryan Gosling on screen, mm-hmm. you go like, okay, that's Ryan Gosling in a character. Yeah. Uh, but when you see Amy Adams, I just always thought that was Amy Adams. She kind of has the George Clooney effect. Like yeah. when you see George Clooney, you see George Clooney. Okay. Just kind of like I always knew it was Amy Adams, and it always took me out of the movie. American Hustle. Okay. Oh yeah, there we go. She was in American Hustle and uh, The Fighter and Catch Me If You Can. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, American Hustle, one of my. It's, I love that movie. That's a, really a lot. Good she was really good in that too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just saw. I just felt like I always saw Amy Adams and not the character she was playing. I, and, I I didn't know she. I mean, I've heard that name a lot, but yeah. it's like I couldn't. It was like what Amy Adams movie? I'm like I don't know. Right. You know? But it was like yeah, she's the the hot redhead that's going around right now. I'm like all right, well I guess she's yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the movie was really good. It was, it was, it was a really good thing. Yeah, it was pretty great. I loved it. Uh, did you ever? Did you get the chance to see any of the other ones? Like, I just haven't seen. Nope. No, I've okay. seen no other movies. I um, I, I realized like how, like I'm going going from being broke mm-hmm. all the freaking time, and I was um, I got to the point of December where I've been trying to save the money so I can um, like buy Christmas gifts for my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, girlfriend, yada yada, you know. So I came into like a, I'm at a, like an influx of of cash mm-hmm. where I was. <laughs> so, so uh so what happened was i just went and like splurged or just binged on all the things that i had been wanting over the past you know six seven months or whatever right. and now i have all those things i went to the movies i got to yeah. go see a nice movie <laughs> you know um i got some nice things for the podcast this is true I, um i got some things for my girlfriend for christmas and nice. now and i got gas for my car and now you're broke i'm flat and now broke, you're gone. completely <laughs> broke and done until the next check so yep but yeah that's that's what the week was oh my passport got here your passport finally. I can leave the United States of America if I nice. want to. <laughs> yeah. You can leave. I can. I can leave. To. I can leave. <laughs> I found my passport the other day. Nice. Uh, it was just on a table there, mm-hmm. and uh, on like a shelf. And I looked at the picture, and I yeah. immediately closed it. What's, what's wrong? With uh, it? it was like it was like a picture when I was like ten or twelve. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's like ah, it doesn't have a beard. It looks weird. Mm. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna close that. All right. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I just I don't know what it looked like without the beard anymore, and I'm like scared to find out. You have to make yourself uncomfortable, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. A uh, passport got here. Nice. Um, finished my, my short screenplay, uh, my short uh, film. Uh, What's in the bag? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It um it came out 
pretty well. I mean, um, I guess like eighty percent of the vision that I had, I was I was able to relay it. So I mean, nice. a lot of hard work, and it came to fruition. It was cool. Yeah, I, I watched it. They worked really hard on that. I did. It, it's I really pretty did. good. Nice. Uh, I I love the. I love the guy that plays the lead. Just oh, yeah, Gary, yeah. Because yeah. his face is great in almost every shot. It looks shot. so dopey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like at all times. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, good job on that, man. Thank you, uh, man. That was pretty good. A lot of hard work. How do you, uh, how do you feel about uh, Christmas? Christmas? If, if I'm like, uh, the, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Are you offended by that? Merry Christmas? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not offended by Merry People get Christmas. offended by Merry Christmas. People can s- just You know, like, they offended by Merry Christmas. They suck. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the, but I don't say any. It's like, I don't care. Like, I, I cut everything out just in case I don't offend someone. So I don't say Merry Christmas. Don't say Happy Holidays either. I, no, I, none of that shit. I, people get offended by Merry Christmas. They get offended by Happy Holidays, yeah. by Happy Christmas, by yeah. Have a Good Fucking Day. No, no, no I go, yes, go even further because they get offended by Good Morning. There was yeah. a teacher that I, that I have, um, and he was like, Good morning. There's nothing good about this morning. You know, yeah. You. Don't bring your bullshit into my life. <laughs> exactly. So it's like it was just whenever I see me, it was just like morning, just stating the facts. Yeah. Just the fact. Nope. Yep. Well, it is morning time. This is a morning. It is a morning, and you are alive in it. Yes. And I am alive with you. In yes. It. And we are interacting. <laughs> that is it. Nothing <laughs> good. Nothing bad. Nothing happy. Nothing merry. None of that. <laughs> it's just let's just state the facts of what it is. Human. Human. <laughs> you know? What an asshole that guy. Good morning. There's nothing good about it. What no, the fuck are you? Are you like from, like an emo morning. from the 2005? <laughs> Want to listen to my Chemical Romance? Yeah, huh? that's not a bad band, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I love my Chemical Romance. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, people get offended by a lot of shit. Like, yeah, Happy Holidays yeah. is one of them. It's like, oh, it's not Christmassy enough, and then like Merry Christmas is like, oh, it's not inclusive enough. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck do you want me? What do you want me to say? Yeah. What do you, like honestly? What do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. Just want me to say Christmas? Hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It may be bad. It may be good. I don't care. Fuck you. It's Christmas. But whatever it is, yeah, sure. It's, it's I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Christmas music. Drives Christmas me music. insane. You don't like Christmas music? It's fucking drives me insane. Silver bells. None of that? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> None of that. Christmas music, when played in the uh, in, a, in a timely and uh, an appropriate Fashion. time, it's, yes. it's, it's fine with me. Like As long as you start playing Christmas music like December the 22nd-ish through <laughs> December the 25th, like I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. But don't hit me with jingle bells on December first. <laughs> you know? I'm going to have a problem. I think, I think this is Mariah Carey's fault. Oh, yeah, Because her song, All I Want for Christmas is You, gets Mm -hmm. played fucking everywhere. I mean, until someone else makes an up-to-date Christmas song, like all these other Christmas songs were made in like 1940, and we're just like remaking them, and she made an original Christmas song, and now we have to hear that shit every fucking day. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Every time someone plays it, I want to just fucking like take whatever device I'm on. I'm like, oh god! As soon as you hear the intro to it, you know you done fucked up. I'm just, I'm just done. Like, save it for like the 22nd to the 31st. That's a good week for Christmas shit. Christmas music. I don't want no more Christmas music after Christmas. Like this shit is over. This shit is over. Like Christmas feels too entitled. You don't own the entire month of December. Like who the fuck do you think you are? Like we'll give you the week. We'll give you the week, Christmas. Fuck you, Santa. Thanksgiving gets a week. You get a fucking week. Yes, you get a fucking week, bro. Like the holidays, the holidays from uh, from November till January one. Right. Like, wait, holidays, you know. But Christmas, like I don't have to hear Christmas music all, all fucking no. the holiday. No. And then, and then you say that, and people are like, "Which is Christmas spirit?" It's dead because of people like you. Fucking Christmas spirit. What does that What does that mean? Like I'm in a, I'm in a good spirit like all the time. Yeah. I like I mean, if I if I'm if I'm not gonna help you the day before, I'm not gonna help you today. If I am gonna help you the day before, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. I'm not gonna change because. Of of a day yeah same person yeah i, I appreciate that <laughs> yeah, I, I there's a 
There's another thing that happens in Christmas that always, always makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a Starbucks cup thing. Oh, yeah. They brought that back, back again this year, too. But here's the thing. Starbucks has never said to any of those cups, this mm-hmm. is a Christmas design. Nope. It is, it's just a red fucking cup yeah. for the month of December. Mm-hmm. And like people are like, oh, it's not Christmassy enough. It's not for you. It's not for you, then. It's not for you. <laughs> yeah. It's just they wanted like they did a really nice thing with the cups this year, where mm. they got a bunch of artists mm. and they they told them to doodle on cups. Okay. And then they reproduced the design and then used them for the actual printed cups. Sounds pretty cool. And it's a lot of it's a bunch of artists work. It's like 160 something artists. Yeah. That got paid to do this. Yeah. That's incredible, for like a big corporation like Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then people are like it's not Christmassy enough, and everyone's well, like, dude, dude. <laughs> They're not Christmas cups. No. Nowhere in their fucking marketing campaign does it say it's Christmas cup. No. Take your, like, overly conservative religious ass out of Starbucks. You yeah. don't belong there. No. It's uh-uh. for hipsters and writers that hate themselves. Just <laughs> let it go. <laughs> yeah. I'd venture to say that most people that go to Starbucks probably hate themselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't go there in a good mood. I go there to get my fix. <laughs> Give me my freaking triple you got espresso. Some of that. <laughs> yes. You all got some of that triple mocha frappuccino? <laughs> you know? I need me some triple mocha frappuccino. Yes, I need my freaking fix. Like, that's why I'm there. Uh, but yeah, um, mm. it was just a busy week. I got a 97.5 on my psychology oh, uh, fuck yeah. final. Get yes, 97.5. What was uh, what was cool about it? It was Wesley um, Snipes. Oh yeah, there was a Snipes teacher. Yeah, yeah, there was a Snipes teacher. But um, it w- it was really nice because the movie that we watched, Birdman, mm-hmm. and the things that was going on in my psychology final, mm-hmm. and connecting those things, I'm like, holy it's shit! Good. Yeah, Birdman is a pretty psychological movie. Pretty psychological. Pretty psych. I'm gonna drop the hammer on the in the the 30 minute segment. I, so oh great. gosh. Uh, yeah. we, the other thing, we just finished the our quarter for school. That we were on going. What was that? What that was your phone? <laughs> Did that bleep? <laughs> that bleep. That bleep. I didn't hear it. It, it was a. Uh, it, it was a. It was a sports announcement. A sports. Ah, fuck yeah. you. It's not even. A not text. even a real person. Not, not a even text. a person. Don't you? <laughs> it's a fucking app giving you a message. Yes. <laughs> just checking in. Let make sure you that you know that nobody still likes you. Just making sure. <laughs> this is just a notification to let you know your phone is still dry. Nobody loves you, and you're gonna die alone. And you're gonna give us your money because of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we finished a quarter. Mm-hmm. For we finished the squad, really, yeah, and it was great. 11 weeks of yes. work just yes. done, yeah, and it feels good. I wrote a 66 page feature length script, sheesh, 66 pages, yeah. And here's the thing the, I wrote the first draft, mm-hmm. and it took 11 weeks mm-hmm. like 14 hours a weekend to write yeah. 11 pages yeah. every weekend, and uh, we were done. And then our teacher, uh, Lon, he's been on the podcast before, episode mm-hmm. 14, mm-hmm. said, <laughs> All right, so now you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna give me the whole thing again. <laughs> You got a second draft, the whole thing. Yeah. In a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So I ended up writing, uh, essentially rewriting the entirety of my script in five days. Sheesh. And uh, it felt great, and I was exhausted, and I wanted to fucking just, you know, blow my head off yeah, of writing yeah. it. But it was great, and I finished it, and I'm getting and getting, I'm working on getting it copyrighted, so I nice. can work on it and not be afraid of someone stealing my gay romance idea wgaw do yeah. that shit bro it's pretty great so it's, it's exciting it's really exciting yeah. and i slept way too way too long yesterday okay i went to sleep at six and i oh, woke nice. up at midnight watched a movie oh. and then went back to sleep yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i did okay it was great it was great i'm exhausted and now i'm rested and it's fantastic the podcast is going fine mm-hmm. it's been a good 11 weeks and the last three weeks have killed me but mm. i am on my way to working back up nice see where it was it's great Hell yeah i like it all right. Uh, I think we're done with the, the ketchup. Yeah. The ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Condiments. Yes. Condiments. 
We should call it spices. We should make a segment with spices. spices. <laughs> and it's just people screaming at each other. Oregano and yeah, and just no, no, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, Betty. Yeah. Betty. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be right back, and then we're gonna talk about Birdman, and then <laughs> hear the mu- <laughs> Birdman. <laughs> no, somebody had to have been waiting for the <laughs> Birdman. <laughs> If is any, that Birdman? Some, yeah, that's, that, right? that's Birdman from um from uh Cash Money Birdman. Yeah, yeah, that Birdman. Yeah. Birdman, baby, I fly in any weather. Ah ah. All right, I'm it, done. It's, <laughs> it's funny that he chose two of the most non-threatening animals in the animal kingdom that have wings. Yeah. A pigeon mm-hmm. and like a random parrot. A random kind of parrot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very threatening. God damn it! We'll be right back, guys. And welcome back. We are now in the in the. We're going to talk about bird, Birdman. Birdman, or the unexpected virtue of ignorance, which is a really long but awesome title. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that when um because like when you, when you have the writer and it was like what's what's the title of it? it's like uh, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. I'm like uh, we can't sell that. <laughs> so <laughs> right. how, how about Birdman? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally how that meeting went. Yeah. Because Alejandro wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was like, we're going to call it the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And some dude went like, no, no we're not. Birdman. <laughs> Birdman. Birdman. <laughs> There's a fucking Birdman inside the movie. We're calling it Birdman. It's Birdman. <laughs> Everybody sign on for it. Which, to this day, is, has one of my favorite uh, post uh, cover arts mm-hmm. that I've seen for any movie. It's just Michael oh, yeah. Keaton with like Birdman on his head. Yeah, it's that is great. Cool. It's a great cover art. I like it. Um, but yeah, Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Uh, the rundown is a, a former cinema superhero, Regan Thompson, played by Michael Keaton, is mounting an ambitious Broadway production that he hopes will breathe new life into a stagnant career. It's risky, but he hopes that his creative gamble will prove that he's a real artist and not just a washed up movie star. As opening night approaches, a castmate is injured, forcing Regan to hire an actor, Ed Norton, who is guaranteed to shake things up. Meanwhile, Regan must deal with his girlfriend, daughter, and ex-wife. Uh, directed by... Alejandro G. Inarratu. Yeah, because I, I can't do that. Alejandro. I can say Alejandro. Yeah. Uh, Gonzalez? I can say that? Yeah, Alejandro, Alejandro Gonzalez. Inarratu. In... Inarratu. Inarratu. Yep. Inarratu. Right. I think that's how you say it. It's right. a weird name. Even yeah. for me, it's a weird name. All right. <laughs> it uh, it uh, won the Academy Award for, um, for Best Picture. It's starring Michael Keaton, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Norton, Emma Stone, and Naomi Watts. Which is a great cast. Very great it's cast. It's a pretty great fucking cast. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love this movie. Yes. It was pretty good. Yes. Oh, yeah. the, the, the weird thing about this movie is that I now have a conflict every time that I see a movie that was up for like an Oscar nomination or won an award. Yeah. Because um, I feel like my reaction is always kind of measured by the fact that it won an award. Really? So, yeah. Like, it's kind of like, oh, it's an Academy Award winner. So, my, I no longer have the reaction. It's like, well, this should be an Academy Award movie. Mm, okay. And, okay. And, and, and that kind of, like, sucks a little. It doesn't damper my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah. Just kind of, like, it kind of pisses me off that I can't have that reaction anymore. Yeah. Because I really, I really think this movie should have won awards. It did, but it did. And it did awards. It's, it's, it's like um, the people that jump on the podcast early on from, like, episode one through five, wherever they got on. Right. And then episode 500, where it takes off. It was like, ah, <laughs> oh, well, you know, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you want to be on it before it's what it is. Right. You know? Yeah, and so I didn't. I didn't get to. It just slipped into my writer. I yeah. don't know what happened. It was just like a weird release, li- weird limited release, and mm. I didn't get to catch it. I mean, and it I was. Just, it was when we first started school. Right. Like when we yeah. first started Art Institute, it was one of the early. So I mean, we were pretty busy when that happened. That's true. You know. And so we didn't get to catch it, and finally watched it, and it was a great movie. And I just wish I would have watched it earlier, so I could have been like, "Fuck you, Academy Award winner!" Mm-hmm. To everyone that said it was a bad movie. Somebody said, Bert, "Who's what?" I've heard people say it's a bad movie. I, people say Whoa. that they didn't, or they didn't like it or say that it was a bad okay, movie. Okay, yeah, you, they, yeah. They can say they don't like it. I'm cool with that. 
Um, but uh, if anyone don't, doesn't know the gimmick of this movie, mm. and a gimmick's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that they do throughout the movie. Okay. It's meant to look through. It's meant to look like a one shot continuous. Yes. Um, which Alfred Hitchcock tried to do with mm. Rope. Rope. Fantasy rope. Uh, in in the late 1940s or 50s, 60s, I don't remember 20s or yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Some sometime. Yes. I think it's 1950s or long, 60s. Long time ago. Hitchcock tried to make that happen, mm. and it worked fine. Mm. Um, but it was obvious that there were still cuts in the movie. Yeah. It's just a limit of the technology. Yeah. Um. So Alejandro said, "Oh, well, I want to make it a continuous shot," mm. and it's it looks gorgeous. It looks fantastic. Mm. Uh, and he, there are still cuts. He disguises the cuts really well yeah. with compositing and weird close-ups and like, oh, we're going through this wall. Just getting cut. And then they continue through the wall. Yeah. Uh, it's it's t- like technically, like in terms of technicality, mm. this movie blows my fucking mind out of the water. Yeah. Because the planning, the planning. And I watched an interview with Alejandro and he mm. said that every second, every step, every gesture mm. was pre-decided. Because yes. if anything was like one second off, it would fuck up the shot yep. because another thing had to happen. And it's like, <laughs> you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so, so that was a, it was such a technically, technicality well-made film. And that didn't make sense. It was a great film in, technical, in technicality. And uh, I really, really loved the work that had to go into planning all of that. Oh, yeah. And it, it was genius the way they did it uh, they, the, the, first of all some of the scenes take place outside of new, like in new york city mm. you have to cut off blocks of new york city oh, yeah. street yeah what the fuck Long that is insane shots. yeah oh yeah <laughs> a lot of following shots there yeah it, it's it's pretty mental the way that they managed to get this movie made and produced and the stress that it must have taken like oh, holy yeah. shit it must have been a stressful movie had produced. to have been and then, like, the actors delivering everything on their marks exactly when they needed to. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that if you don't know what goes behind making a movie, it's mm-hmm. not going to impress you nearly as much. Yes. Uh, so it's definitely a movie that filmmakers just go like, holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, you can always spot the film buff <laughs> in the audience of that movie. Sure. Uh, the the cast was amazing. I mean, Buster Keaton and Edna. Uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah. shit. Michael Keaton and Ed Norton did a fucking great job. Yes. Uh, I think I like Ed Norton's character a little bit more than I like Michael Keaton's character. Sure. It was just, it was just great. It was just great. Just everything you, on screen was great. Have you, uh, have you seen the movie Fight Club before? Yeah. Great. I love so, that movie. All right. In the, all right. So, because I'm gonna go into the psychology mm-hmm. of this. Like, I spent the past day and a half freaking out because I watched this movie in 2015 mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, this is a really good movie, and I think this happened. I think this happened, and I didn't get into. The, the depth psychology. of this no. at all. As soon as I finished watching it um, for the second time uh, yesterday, I hit Sage up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or you were one of your good friends, uh, Sage no, Cofield. Yeah. And because uh, the conversation that he had when um, we were talking about the uh, Swiss Army Man mm-hmm. and the death scene, and he uh, he referenced a um, an old old story uh, from the early 1900s. It was uh, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, right, by Ambrose uh, Bryce or Bierce, mm-hmm. I guess it's pronounced. Uh, and it's telling a story about a guy that's um, that's about to die, but on the way down, he just has like a flash of his entire life and all these things that are happening, and then he's jarred, you know, right before he dies, you right. know. And this is what is my interpretation of this entire film okay. and i'll break it down to why i believe this, this to be true 
Uh, We already did the rundown, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so uh, the very first opening scene that we see is, um, and it's like you don't, like just like what I was talking about with uh, with Arrival, the Mm -hmm. first shots that you get, it was like, why am I watching? Why why am I getting these shots? Right. And that's what I got with Birdman, too. The first shots that you get are on a beach with dead jellyfish all surrounding on on the shore Mm -hmm. and a um, something that looks like maybe a meteorite falling from the sky. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the very next shot you get, and those are the two cuts, two edits at the very beginning. Right. Then after that, we get fluidity from for a very good time of the movie. Right. The first time that we see Michael Keaton, he's in a, um, a pose, something like a, like a Buddha, um, like a... Um, He's meditating. Like, like meditating, yeah. yeah. But, but he's floating above the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, he's floating. And uh, the first thing that he says to himself, uh, what, we'll see, I have it written down. It was like, um, he says, oh, how, how do we get here? You yeah. know, we, we don't belong here. How do we get here? You know, so um, so he's trying to deal with his stages of grief at this point. You know, um, the th- five stages of grief: you have denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Right. You know, so as soon as as soon as that, you know, he walks into the ocean, and we don't even know about that until the midway point of the movie when he's mm-hmm. talking to his wife. That's not. That's like. Like close to the end. Like, like three quarters of yeah, the, of yeah, the movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's talking to his wife and he's talking about how, you know, how bad things were and he tried to commit suicide by mm-hmm. walking into an ocean but then uh, the sting of the del- jellyfish woke him up. Right. And, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. But uh, <laughs> the scene from the jellyfish woke him up. We'll, we'll get back to that. But like I said, the very first scene you seen was the jellyfish. So um, so the first thing is we have is denial. You got him hey, floating there in the scene. It's like, how do we get here? We don't belong here. Right. You know, it's just denial. It's like, what the fuck? Like his his subconscious is trying to rationalize the things that are happening right now. The next stage of, uh, of grief will be anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, anger, uh, when you really see that, um, oh, I guess I got to bring something else in yeah. <laughs> first. Um the id, the ego, and the super ego. Yep, the Freud, the Freudian theory of psychology. And that's the um, the, the exact same thing that happens in Fight Club. Mm-hmm. How it may be someone's first time around, they don't realize that Brad Pitt and Ed Norton are the same person in right. extension. Um, my first time around, I didn't realize Michael Keaton, Ed Norton, and Zach Galifianakis were extensions of that same person. The ego, the id, and the super ego. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I loved. Um, I love Ed Norton's character. It's great. It was so so good. I didn't realize why he was, the, <coughs> excuse me, that 180 version of Michael Keaton, right. and, and it didn't even hit that it was the same person to me until uh, until Ed Norton got there, and then it was like um, he was like, all right, let's just go over the lines. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. He's right. like, he's just so instinctive, and I want to <laughs> do it. He was like, all right, well, maybe you should like look over the lines. And no, 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 I already know the lines. So then I was like, well, how does he know the lines already? So then right. he starts. He knows the lines. He's like, hold on, you know my lines too. And yeah. then he's like, "Hold on, let's not get caught up in, in all in all those the kind details. of details." Yeah, you don't get caught up in that. And then later on, um, he's sharing a story about why he decided to become an actor, mm-hmm. and um, he, he's telling that to Ed Norton. Yeah. Then later on, Ed Norton, the uh, the id who's wanting all this attention and working off instinct, he directly goes to do an interview and tells the exact same story word for word. Right. And um, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like how? And like, <laughs> okay, same person. And then we're getting to anger, um, where he has a fight with himself. Wait, wait, wait. hold on. Are you saying that they're mad? Metaphorically the same person or literally the same no, person? No, literally the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah li- literally the same, the all exact right. same person. Now I'm intrigued because yes. I did not think about that at all. Oh, with uh, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Norton, and uh, yeah, him. No. yeah, yeah, uh, same person. So, um, so first, like I said, first, we're just gonna go through the five stages mm-hmm. of grief, and then I'll calm down a little bit. All right. <laughs> um, first thing, so we're dealing with denial. Yeah. You know, we're not supposed to be here. We shouldn't be here. We don't belong here. Right. Then the anger. 
he's dealing with um, with Ed Norton's character. There's who, a lot of anger. Th- yes, so much anger between them. Um, Michael Keaton's character, he's mm-hmm. really wanting the notoriety, the popularity, the everybody to acknowledge how awesome that he is. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Ed Norton's character, the other version of himself, is like, no, fuck that. Th- that doesn't matter. Those people don't matter. None of that stuff matters. You know what? Prestige is what matters. Popularity is like the ugly cousin of prestige or whatever he says. It's a slutty, slutty cousin of prestige. Yeah, he's like, what That's the what fuck does that even mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like trying to fight with yourself about what's more important to me. You know, have, being adored and um, and congratulated and adulated for something that I'm not very proud of, and mm-hmm. being the Birdman right. and making three sequels to that. You know, it's like, oh, that's why I turned out Birdman for. Oh, you you do the Birdman for? I am Birdman for. <laughs> Fucking Asian dude. <laughs> so God funny. damn. <laughs> you don't do the Birdman for. I didn't expect him to have an Asian accent. <laughs> But so um but yeah he's um he's fighting with his um his his other side of him whether mm-hmm. he should be the the congratulated applauded person or the person that's respected and um the the next thing that we finally get is bargaining mm-hmm. um you see that that Ed Norton um he doesn't care he's very instinctive and when they go to the bar he walks directly to the critic mm-hmm. and he and he's like he tells her exactly what he thinks he gives his mind there's nothing sugarcoated at all he right. knows who he is and he believes in who he is as which is one to- of my favorite confrontations in recent movies in general oh, just because yeah. it, it was really like really powerful confrontation oh yeah it was really great and then um at the end and, and, and it's very it's very close like the shot is a um it's like a medium close and it just has both of their faces face to face very well, close as they're talking the beautiful thing about that shot is that it goes from various shot sizes mm-hmm. it goes from like a close-up on michael keans and yeah. so he approaches the the critic and then it's a two shot no, and no, then no, no, when no. he gets angry it's great I was talking about a different, yeah. uh, the Ed Norton. Uh, oh, you're talking about Ed Norton. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, the, yeah, the, fir- the first time when uh, when Ed Norton goes over there and he he's like letting her know everything about her and she's just like taking sitting there and taking it and she's like, you know what? Aren't you ever worried that I might give you a bad review? And then it was like, yeah, no, I'm sure you'll give me a bad review if I ever give you a bad performance. Right. And and, and it's like that's uh, he's very confident. Yeah, he's very confident. He knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He's very assured in his ability. You know, it doesn't matter if people think that I'm good. It doesn't matter if people congratulate me and applaud me and, and lift me up above everyone else. He was like, no, I know what I am. Right. And you know that too. You know, it's like they were kind of cut from the same cloth. It doesn't, it's not until about 20 to 30 minutes later in the film mm-hmm. where um, he, he gets locked out of the, uh, the theater or whatever, uh, Michael Keaton's character. Mm-hmm. And then he has to go outside basically naked. He's just in underwear. Yeah. You know, in his the, Walter Whitey's. Yeah. And his Walter Whitey's <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of, uh, in the middle of New York, I guess they're in. And it's just everyone, tourists, everybody taking pictures of him, video and everything. And when he goes back to his daughter and she was like, whether you know, believe it or not, this is power. Yeah. Like this is that this is what's going to get you to that, that popularity that your ego wants that, that being lifted up that your ego so desperately desires. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as he has that, as soon as he feels that confidence and that um, that power that he feels like he needs, then he's able to go talk to the critic. Right. You know, it was like, oh, no, I now I have something backing me. Everybody's watching me on the news. Everybody thinks I'm popular again. And so I'm cool. So now I have the confidence to go talk to this woman. And he does it and gets shut the fuck down. Yeah, it was like, no, he's like, you're 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 fake. You're not real. You still just want this. The the, the ego bullshit. He mm-hmm. was like, no, you know. So um, that, that was she's actually says the word. You're not an actor. You're a celebrity. Yeah. 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 And it's like he's just doing it for the wrong reasons. So that was bargaining. And with the film critic, the very next thing is depression. Mm-hmm. Depression. This right here. This is my favorite scene. Uh, uh, hold on. I want to point out because you've been talking for a while. Oh yeah. And I want to point out that this isn't like like 
it's, a, it's the amount of notes that this guy took. She's just like working off a paper, mm-hmm. and it's really impressive because I didn't take notes on this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just like just like reading off your paper, and I just go like, "Fuck you, depression," and you just flip that paper. <laughs> oh, it was um, it was, <laughs> it was a great move. It was a great movement. <laughs> it was um, it's my favorite scene. Um, I think early on in the podcast mm-hmm. we were talking about our favorite um Shakespeare play. Right. Yours was Hamlet, mine was Macbeth. Yes. And um in this in this scene right before depression hits when he, bar- he tries to bargain with the other uh, critic mm-hmm. and she's not having any of that, he goes into his next step of depression and he just drinks himself all the ho- the whole night, walks the walks the, the roads of New York mm-hmm. and then he hears my favorite monologue from any Shakespeare thing that I'm going to read as quickly as I can is that uh, tomorrow 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 creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last to the last of recorded time and all of our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out out brief candle life's but a shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it's a tale told by an idiot full mm-hmm. of sound and fury signifying nothing I didn't know that was Macbeth. Oh yeah, yeah, at the time. And it's it's just um and it's showing like Macbeth he his the, the ambition to become king the things that he was willing to do mm-hmm. just to become king not even that it was he was going to become king just for the possibility of it and we're seeing the things that Michael Keaton is willing to do for the possibility of getting that notoriety back right you know and um the thing is why he's walking through uh, in that, that depressed state a guy is just screaming this thing. Like, he's not even just, like, quoting it. He is screaming it at the top of his lungs. <laughs> you know? It's like, like the, that's, that's, if that wasn't, like, a clue, like, for me, I was like, holy shit, I need to write this down. But anyway, yeah, that, that was depression. And the last state that he gets is acceptance. Yeah. You know, at the very, very end. But, um... Yeah, let's, that, that was. I, I just wanted to run through my five stages of grief real quick that I, that I seen in the order. Let's let's keep it going though. That, that's 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 pretty interesting because mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about the movie in any in anywhere anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought, and th- maybe this is me as movies because mm-hmm. um, I also thought that Swiss Army Man was your reference. Because I think what you were getting at when you brought up Swiss Army Man mm-hmm. was that we saw the scenes of the beach where he was trying to kill himself, mm-hmm. and everything that happened after that was a, a, a sort of a death dream. Somewhat, yeah, uh, it could have been possible, that, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of got that vibe that you were going for. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's, that might as well be very, very possible. Possible. But like Swiss Army Man, I don't necessarily enjoy I, yeah. en- enjoy that theory. I don't uh, believe that theory yeah. is Swiss Army Man. Uh, no. Yeah. But I don't believe it in Birdman either. All right. Um, I think Birdman is it's a very psychological movie. Yes. But I don't think that Ed Norton and Zach Galifianakis mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton are the same person. Okay. I believe that what happened is exactly what happened as it was related to reality. I just believe mm-hmm. that Michael Keaton had a disconnected reality okay. at some point. He's got a sort of disassociative identity disorder. Yes. And maybe with a little bit of schizophrenia happening around when he's okay. hallucinating, he has this weird hallucinations that mm-hmm. Birdman's another character is talking to him. And Birdman's the source of his anger yes. in, 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 in the movie. And he tries to manage it and control it. Mm-hmm. So I really thought that this movie was about a man that was trying to sort of Become it was really a man trying to become relevant again, it is. while fighting with the guilt of or fighting with like his mental illness mm-hmm. that it's probably undiagnosed, mm-hmm. as well as like trying to be the person that he wants to be at the same time. I, I wanted I, I would have liked more clues if there was like a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get any like preludes to that besides just seeing uh, things that aren't there. You know. Right. Well, I, I, for me, it, it was sort of the the way that he copes with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like when he. When Birdman starts talking to him, it's like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. He starts doing, like, mind control techniques, kind of, like, like going, like, embrace the anger, counting, mm. one, two, three, and breathe slowly, yes. breathe in. So, like, I feel like this is a problem that he's had his whole life. Mm. 
And it's just manifesting into Birdman because that's like the most recent trauma that he had of not being able to be relevant because of Birdman. Would you see any of those psychological issues inside of uh, Ed Norton's character? Uh, no. Why, why, no. Does, why would you think that he knows the entire script? Like, it's kind of weird, you know? Well, he, they, they make a, they say it in the movie. It's kind of a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I've been helping uh, Leslie mm-hmm. be of the books. Yeah. So, like, he's been rehearsing the lines with Leslie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an actor. Leslie's his girlfriend or wife. Some, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're romantic. They live together. Mm. So, like, I, I, it's not surprising to me that, that Ed Norton knows the line, given that he's an actor and he lives with someone that's working on the play. Okay. And he's been helping them rehearse. All right. I'm not surprised to that. I'm also not surprised knowing that Ed Norton's character is so akin to finding the truth mm-hmm. in, in a movie or a scene. Yeah. So, like, I'm not surprised I would be also reading the thing and seeing what it's about. Okay. So that part doesn't fuck up my theory at all. I all can right. accept with the fact that he knew the lines previously from rehearsing with Leslie. Okay. Um, but uh, Michael Keaton sort of dealing with, with Birdman, which is sort of the anger mm-hmm. in his head, that the thing that's telling him he's not worth it, he's worthless, he, yes. that he doesn't belong here, it's his insecurities. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just reflective of a mental illness. Okay. For someone that's, that's uh, obviously, they make allusions to him having been a drunk. Yeah. Uh, the wife says that you're drinking now, mm-hmm. and he said just having a beer. Yeah. Uh, his, his daughter has gone to rehab uh, for drugs and alcohol, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. Um, I would assume that they never say it, but I would assume he also went to rehab at some point mm. just based on the illusions that they gave me. Okay. So everything points to him being like a troubled person, like a troubled men- like a mentally troubled person mm. that uh, just happens to be an actor and happened to be one of the most popular comic book heroes in that universe. Mm. And that has manifested into the sort of schizophrenic interpretation of Birdman. Do you, do you think that Ed Norton might have just been trying to been fucking with him like by stealing, like by saying the exact same stuff to the interviewer then? Uh, yeah, I, th- I just think he wants to be an antagonizer. Uh, mm. I think Ed Norton, and this is a powerful... That makes him a, li- a less fun character if he's just, you know, just a, an antagonist, you know? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't mind... I, I like... I really, really, really like Ed Norton's character. Yeah. Um, just because he's always searching for that, that truth. Yeah. That, that sort of genuine truth. This guy gets a hard-on in the middle <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the plate. Because when he, he has erectile dysfunction in his yes. personal life. Yes. And so, like, everything he does about him mm-hmm. is just, like, about finding the truth. Yes. The scene. What is the scene about? Mm-hmm. It's about this model. No, 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 no. That's not what the scene is about. This, mm-hmm. this sounds like a fuck you, so give it to me with a fuck you. Yes. Uh, and, and I really like that approach of character. Mm-hmm. And he says it when Keaton confronts him with the newspaper, which yeah. is a really funny scene. Yes. He just comes get into the newspaper. Yeah. Um, uh, he says, dude, I just said the first thing that came to my head, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that he would do. Um, he just gave an interview mm-hmm. after that. said they approached him for an interview, and they asked him a question. And he was just thinking about the drunk father and just said it. Okay. Uh, he's, a, he's the kind of person that would act that impulsively, I think. So I don't think it's, 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 it's sort of just to fuck with him. I just think it was a thing that happened, and he decided to say that it was just to fuck with I, him. I think there's a reason that he would act that impulsive. I mean, I'm just... I, I know what you're saying with the know, Ed and the super ego and the... And the it's, it's just so when I was look, uh, researching mm-hmm. Alejandro, it was like, mm-hmm. it was either that he's doing these things, everything's on purpose, or there's a lot of things that you can accidentally interpret. Right. You know? and, and everything is on purpose in terms yeah. of filmmaking. Yeah. But in terms of the character's actions, mm. uh, the way that I perceived the world wasn't in a sort of metaphorical mm. sense. Oh, for me, straight, yep, I get that. For yeah. me, it was pretty literal yes. that was happening. Yeah. And it was just a bunch of things coming together to sort of happen throughout the movie. Well, so well, like, Ed Nor- like Ed Norton wouldn't have purposely said the thing about the drunk father. Mm. They asked him for an interview and he was like, he said the same thing. My father was a drunk. Just because he's impulsive and he wants to say stuff that sort of 
you know, gets to people's emotions. That's yeah. what he's looking for. He's looking for a reaction. Okay. Which is why he does theater. Which is why he's obsessed with the truth in theater. Because he's not looking to rehearse a line. He's looking to get a reaction from the yes. person he's working with. Yes. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can accept that. Mm -hmm. For me, the world just feels like a bunch of characters that have their own fucked up flaws. Mm -hmm. Trying to, you know, just make, make it. Get rid of their insecurities. Okay. So like Emma Stone, she's trying to come back into the world as a person that wasn't in rehab mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of stuff. Michael Keaton wants to be adored by people and Norton just wants to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. and, and that's sort of what I took away from it, from those characters. The, the only way, reason I'm going so metaphorical with it mm -hmm. now because, I mean, um, just because it was a, a second viewing mm -hmm. uh, and, like, I mean, I can't go too far away from, like, the, the fish scene, mm -hmm. the, uh, the meteor th scene, and then the Icarus that's just completely, that talked about over and over and yeah. over uh, with Icarus and I'm connecting Icarus and even with, um, uh, he's reading Labyrinth about Licor uh, Icarus uh, Ed Norton is mm -hmm. when he's inside the tanning bed when mm -hmm. he's confronted by um, Keaton. Keaton for the first time before they actually have their first fight. Yeah, you know, so like, um, is what what where what place does the does the meteorite or asteroid on the fish play in into the the literal? I, sense? I I think again that's just like Michael Keaton's sort of schizophrenic mind. That okay. that's really, uh, I I really do think that this whole movie is just out of a just a schizophrenic's mind. Uh, the the jellyfish and the meteor thing, mm -hmm. just like he tried to kill himself, there were jellyfish. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, he survived that. And so now that it's like a sort of like a, like a really hard hitting point in his life, mm -hmm. he sort of comes back to the imagery because it reminds him of something. Mm -hmm. Sort of accepts the fact that he shouldn't be here and he should kill himself because he remembers that suicide scene so beautifully. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it really is just a mind, just a troubled mind trying to mm -hmm. work with what it has. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything, and of course there's there's a lot of metaphor because it is a movie. Yeah. So the jellyfish and the meteor scene could tend, could very much well be a metaphor. Yeah. For another thing that's happening. Yes. But I do think that there's nothing like there's not. This isn't a psychological movie in the sense that Fight Club was a psychological movie. I five thousand percent disagree. I but know. I know you do. <laughs> yes. And I think this is a psycholo psychological movie in yes. the fact that we are seeing one character's mm. um, perception yeah. of events that are happening yes. in his life. Okay. Not that a character is creating events that are happening in his life mm. and then, you know, creating a new personality mm. to deal with those events that he's creating. Mm. That, that's entirely different. Uh, I think, I really do think that's just a schizophrenic's mind trying to make sense of what's happening around them, mm. trying to make sense of how to get rid of its insecurities, trying to make sense of why everyone around them uh, doesn't love him the way that he wants to be loved, yes. why he confuses love for admiration, mm. and then it just turns into manifest into Birdman saying like nobody loves you yes you were Birdman you're not important mm -hmm. this is not who you are you're me it's two identities fighting for control of the yes. same mind yes but not in the way that Fight Club is I think it's in the way of like just a man who's had this thoughts so heavily in his life mm. that there's a new identity coming up inside of him manifesting mm. and and that's where the the internal struggle is not sort of like Ed Norton's character in Fight Club, where the personality happened, the split happened, mm. and then the conflict happened. This is pretty much the conflict happened, the split happened. Um, gonna disagree. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> so this is um, where, where I was seeing. Um, so, so I'm gonna go back to the jellyfish, so I can get to the the ending. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, uh, ex-wife. All right, so we get to the ending of acceptance. Mm -hmm. So the uh, the, the very first scene, like I said, we seen the uh, the jellyfish. And um, he, he attempted to kill himself, and that's that's possibly from his perspective is what I'm what I'm getting is because the only thing we're seeing is the camera is on the ground mm -hmm. looking at on, looking towards the water, and jellyfish are there, 
and then at the end I guess we're it's supposed to be time has passed mm-hmm. because now instead of just seeing the jellyfish and the uh, now we're seeing birds are coming down to eat the the dead jellyfish and yada 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 right. you know so he's been there for some amount of time um, so so in in my interpretation of it all of this was him trying to rat like the same way you were saying trying mm-hmm. to rationalize the things that are happening to him right but in the way that i seen it because of the first scene and the ending scene it was trying to come to terms with his life before he died right you know and then um as soon as we seen the ending you know with um the icarus falling from the sky the story of icarus people don't know mm-hmm. it's a, a boy that has wax wings and um he wanted to be the grandest the same way that uh, michael keaton wants to be and um but for the wrong reasons and they told icarus if you fly too close to the sun then your wings are going to melt up and you're going to fall to the ground right and that's essentially what happened to uh to icarus and we see an example of that with birdman mm-hmm. you know with the um those scenes showing falling from the sky and crashing at the end when he finally does accept it and that that um that he is birdman that he is norton that he is all of those things he isn't mm-hmm. just one thing he goes into the bathroom and he sees birdman grounded just sitting there right doesn't say anything has nothing to say he doesn't need him anymore and he's, he's just he realizes that when um his wife comes in it comes in the room to see him in the hospital mm-hmm. and she loves him again his yeah. daughter comes in there to see him in the hospital she loves him again mm-hmm. zach galifianakis comes inside there and he was like no not only did you do what you wanted to do you reinvented the way to make plays and it was just so hyperbolic it's like of right. course you're not going to reinvent the way to make plays but it's just like a way of his mind um, coming to terms with this is the end right. like b- before I finally left I did exactly what I wanted to do my wife loves me my daughter loves me and I was able to achieve that that level of you know fame mm-hmm. and notoriety that I wanted once more so by the time that the, um, the movie ends metaphorically he jumps out of the window and flies off or whatever but you see Emma Stone and if you have the credits of the, um, the subtitles you can hear her laugh and then mm-hmm. hear him laugh right, right after that you know so it's just I think that he just finally accepted his fate and is no longer burdened by the Ed Norton character, no longer burdened by the Zach Galifianakis character. He mm-hmm. doesn't need that anymore. He's himself. You know, he's finally free. He's, okay. He accepted it. I, I think that's a really, like, I really want to agree with you because it's a really interesting theory. Hmm? I, I really like it. I like the way it sounds. It's just not what you saw. You it can't agree sense. with something yeah. you didn't see. <laughs> I, I want to because yeah. it's so nice. Yes. And it makes sense to, like, to summarize a movie hmm? or like to explain the movie. Yeah. But I, I just saw a troubled man. I know. I, I just saw I, troubled. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I promise I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like it's it was for me that the 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 fact that it's acceptance and the fact oh the fact that the whole movie sort of uh, was a death dream of him trying to come to terms with the fact that he committed suicide mm-hmm. because his life was so shitty. Yeah. Um, for me that that takes away a little bit out of what I saw in terms of like of the impact of the movie. Okay. Because uh, for me the movie was. Just it, it was a man trying to work out his mental illness and, I, the, I men, and the mental illness winning. Well, uh, okay, f- for me, that's what happened in the end. The mental illness won, mm. and 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 just like, and Ed Norton and and Zaglafanakis are all exaggerations of something. Okay, but they're not exaggerations of within himself. Ke- of of Keaton, mm. right? They're they're not a part of Keaton that's been exaggerated. Mm. They're just like. Ed Norton is the complete opposite of Michael Keaton at the beginning of the movie. What about the um, like when the guy? All right, at the very beginning, he he, he runs up. He's uh, they're rehearsing, and there's a guy who's just a shit actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, in his mind, Michael Keaton knows that this guy's a shit actor, and he's telling him about it. 
And then eventually, like, he's like, you can see in his face, like, I'm fed up with this fucking guy. Right. Like, I'm done with him. And then he makes a light fall from the top of the, the building mm-hmm. and crash into this guy's head. And we don't we don't know what happened to him. Maybe he got knocked out or died. We don't know. No, well, he came he came back at the end of the movie. Oh, the movie, the movie okay, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. in a wheelchair. Okay. Yeah, uh, he just, uh, so he came back. He's just in a wheelchair now. wheelchair up, yeah. <laughs> and um, they asked him, about, they were walking him off. And they was like, uh, what happened? He was like, I made that happen. Right, it's like I made it happen. So it's like the, with all the the things that are happening happening that um that are happening in real life. So it's like with what what do you think that attrib- attributes to? Like the, they're in real life, but he, his mental disorder makes him think that he, he made, made the that light happen. happen. Here's a here, that's a weird thing about the mental illness bit because mm-hmm. that light did fall, that yes. hit the guy, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But Michael Keaton thinks that he did it, so mm-hmm. we perceive him because the the movie follows. We're following Michael Keaton's point of view. Mm-hmm. So we are perceiving the movie as he perceives what's happening in the movie. Yeah. So he thinks he made the light happen. Therefore, yeah. we believe that he made the light happen. Sure. But the light just fell. Mm-hmm. And he just like, I was tired of him. I was angry at him. So I made a light fall on his head. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, a sort of a, it's a sort of rationalization, mm-hmm. I think, of what happened so that it can it benefit can be. its own agenda. Definitely so. Uh, and and that's, it. that's the great part about this movie is mm-hmm. that you know, everyone that sees it thinks something different about yes, it. Yes, And so I really just think that while the movie was grounded in reality, mm. the perception of the person that we were following wasn't. Mm. And, and, that, and, 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 uh, and that fascinates me because there's a couple of scenes where uh, when Ed- Edward Norton is, is getting freaky with Emma Stone, yeah. she, we, we were in the catwalk, and then the camera goes over the catwalk, and then immediately there's a play happening, and Edward Norton is sitting on the table mm. uh, being a part in the play. Yeah. So the movie, while it's, go, it's, it's going for this chronological, super fluid motion, mm-hmm. has some parts where reality is not, um, how do you say it, it's not grounded. Reality is, is it's fluid. It's just kind of happening. Yeah, like and a dream. Like a, it would mm-hmm. be a dream, right? Yeah, that, but that's, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I thought the, the, the choice was like that. Why, why it was so mm-hmm. fluid, it was like a dream or like death. But it doesn't have to be. It's like the same... The same ideas that mm-hmm. we're talking about is just I'm saying death or dream. You're saying mental illness, right. but regardless of whichever one of those scenarios it is, it's him still trying to come to terms with the the ideas. Well, the, movie's the, movie. the, same. Yeah. the movie's the same. The movie's the same. Really, it's, it's him trying to come to, like he he just wants to be loved in the way that he wants to be loved, mm-hmm. and he doesn't accept the value of what people loving him in the way that they love him yeah. already. Yeah, he just wants admiration. They say it in the line. Yes, they, they confuse love for admiration. Yeah. And, 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 and that for me was like when I understood what the movie was about. Mm-hmm. I, I really, that, that was the line that, that they did put the nail in the coffin for yes. me. Because um, the movie is just, a, it's really just a man with mental illness that's uh, it's been manifested by all this huge amount of stress of putting on a play. Yeah. Uh, the fact that his wife doesn't love him. Yeah. The fact that he's already has his own insecurities, insecurities about him. Yeah. Uh, it, it would make sense for someone to create a new identity, mm-hmm. Birdman. Yeah. Uh, in order to have something to externalize all of those feelings towards. Do you believe that the Birdman uh, movies were real? What do you mean? And that, like that it, he actually made them in the, in yeah. the universe? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, uh, I I do believe that he did the movies. He yeah. had a successful career, and then yeah. he started feeling irrelevant. And how the stress got to him, he fucked his wife's friend or something. Uh, tried to kill himself, and then his wife's friend that Ed Norton's currently having sex with. No, 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 Jane um, something. No. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm trying to fuck with you right now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, you can't see on the podcast, unfortunately. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My face just probably looked like, what the fuck happened? The, the last time it happened, um, shit, never, I'll, I'll remember it. I'll remember it later. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, nigger like, cunt. That's the that, last that, time it happened because you, you got flustered, and then I was like, "Oh, no. so I, I'm sorry." <laughs> it's all good. Um, so I think that like everything that happened after the suicide attempt that mm-hmm. didn't succeed mm-hmm. um, was him just kind of like externalizing all of those feelings to okay. other people, mm-hmm. and sort of his anger became Birdman. He was incredibly frustrated. Mm-hmm. So now we got someone antagonizing him literally all of the time, saying like, "You're not worth it. You're not here. You can't be here. What the fuck are you doing? Go yeah. back to making movies mm-hmm. and making commentaries on this and on the sort of the cynicism of the." The, the state of society saying that people don't want this highbrow philosophical bullshit. Mm-hmm. They want explosions and want you to screech. It's like, like go on screen and screech. Be Birdman. I love yeah. I love that. It's like that we, I mean, he's brilliant. Alejandro is brilliant. Yeah, he's pretty great. Because like I said, I've seen the movie the way that, and I don't want to take any way, anything away from uh, the way that you've seen it right. either because that's the way that I saw it. You yeah. know, and, I, and I love the movie and I just watched it again and then got a different interpretation. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, neither one of those matter. You know, yeah, no, me. it doesn't. Like, neither one of them matter because, like, but I'm just like, why he's so brilliant is you can have one line the way that I read it mm-hmm. and the way that you read it completely different and it doesn't change the movie. Like, with what Birdman says to him is like, you're dead. And I want you to stay dead, right. you know, and how you take a lot of the movie literal and I take it a lot of it metaphorically, metaphorically. And that line, I took it literally and you took it metaphorically. Right. You know, he's like, he's telling him, no, you're dead and I want you to stay that way. And your interpretation of it was your career is dead. Yeah. Like that well, Birdman. It wasn't, it, it wasn't also dead. their career, which is kind of like, like when he says you're dead and mm-hmm. I want you to stay that way. It's like yeah. Michael Keaton's identity mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. Not just his career. Yeah. Because he's saying that his career was based so hard on being on Birdman, Birdman. Yeah. that Michael Keaton's own identity is it's, dead. What, yeah, it's and lost in that. And what Michael Keaton is trying to do is trying to find that same identity back. Mm-hmm. And he, he can't. He doesn't. This no. is not a happy ending. No. It sucks. <laughs> well, well I, th- I think it ends happily because he. I think he accepts what he is. I don't think he gets what he wants you right. know happily but i think he accepts you know his flaws and, and everything else with it yeah but uh for but me it means that the for the way i saw the ending it means that the mental illness won it means that the mental illness won? the mental illness won. Oh, you think that he killed himself I, at the he end. killed himself there's no way he oh. actually flew he killed himself no it wasn't real none of that yeah. stuff was real like uh, that's what i mean. like i don't think that he killed himself at the beginning i mean the end of the movie because he was being dead the whole the time beginning. he's no, always been dead i think he killed himself at the end of the movie uh, what's what's the uh why does he laugh at the end of the movie uh, and I, she I, looks up. I, I think that I, I honestly, I think that my interpretation of the movie was like because Emma Emma Stone's character mm-hmm. Sam, Sam, uh, she's a reflection of her father, and you can, you kind of see it in 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 when they interact. Okay, they're a reflection of each other. Mm-hmm. So they're going through the same sort of mental struggle of like trying to find which one's important. Why think, am I oh, important so you saying they, they both have mental? I'm disorders. saying they both have the same Eey. predisposition for a mental disorder. All right, and and so what. What Emma Stone saw at the end of the movie was a traumatic event. Mm. Holy shit! My father killed himself. She smiles and let's, looks up. Let's rationalize it mm. and make sure and make it so that we perceive him flying away. <laughs> that was like, like this kind. Mm. Like I, I thought that this mental illness was sort of brought on by a trauma, and mm. and your gender. I, I really did think that Emma Stone was a reflection of her father. Mm. So at the end of him, and sort of looking down and looking up at the sky, because she looks down first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To see that he fell. Yeah. Like, well, no, he didn't fall. Like, he didn't. You know, it's just, oh, that's why he looks up. up there. That's why it feels triumphant, you know, because when you're looking up and then you laugh and smile, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, good. But that's why it felt so sad to me. Why? Because when she looked down Mm -hmm. and she's uh, like, this is what happens in my version of, like, my head of that scene. She looks down, sees a dead body, and then her brain just goes like, nope, that didn't happen. Look up, he's flying. 
Oh, you're okay. Yeah. Oh, the the mental the mental illness. Um, the same way that um he made the light hit the guy in the head. Right. Is no, he's not on the ground bleeding to death. He's flying. He's flying. So okay. a rationalization of a traumatic event. Mm. Um, and that's what the movie was about for me. Just okay. like, sort of like that trail of mental illness following this character and how yeah. he, he deals with it. Yeah. How how it affects the people around him. How it affects what he wants, mm -hmm. uh, what he can get, what he wants, what, I mean, what he doesn't want. All those things. Like uh, the movie for me was a, a troubled mind, mm -hmm. trying to make sense of his place in the world, and 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 that's why I think it's a sad ending. It's a sad movie. Okay. He didn't find where he was in the world. He may have accepted his flaws. Mm -hmm. He may have accepted the fact that his career may have been dead because of Bourbon and yes. that he never stood a chance. That's that's what I found. That's why I thought happy. Right. Because, like, everybody's not going to be perfect. Like, I'm a shitty person sometimes, but mm -hmm. I accept it. And, you know, so, like, it's, it's a difference between knowing and not knowing and not accepting right. and denying. And he's no longer denying what he is. He's, but I think he know. killed himself because he couldn't handle that acceptance. I think he killed himself Ooh. because he, he accepted it, that he was, he was never going to be that relevant again, that people weren't going to admire him the way that he wanted to or love him the way that he wanted to. Mm. He accepted that and decided not to live it, not to continue. He, okay. just, he just went like, okay, well, that's who I am. I don't want it. <laughs> And just killed himself. That, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I took away from, from the movie. Okay. Which for me meant that the mental illness won. Mm. Um, which is... That's tough. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> it's really, really sad. Yeah. Because the whole movie for me, even though like the, the, the dialogue was amazing, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of everything points to him having a sort of a bad perception of reality. Yes. When he's destroying his, his trailer, his, his room, mm. um, you see him doing it telekinetically yes. while he's alone in the room. Yeah. As soon as Galafanagas enters the room, he's physically doing it. Yeah. So I don't think that his reality is everyone else's reality. Okay. I think he is, he is shifting reality mm. to fit his own rationalization so that he, he can get what he wants and he doesn't get it. And he mm. accepts that he can't get it yeah. at the end decides to kill himself. But, by the way... Again, for, a, for the second time, because yeah. you, you agree he had tried to attempt suicide at the beginning, mm -hmm. and that's how he got in the situation. Then he tries it again by... Do you think that he tried to shoot his... No, did he really shot his nose off? Uh, here's... Th this is where I'm conflicted with the movie, because yeah. there's... Because what I said uh, can, can work with both things. Mm. And I'm saying that uh, there's a version of me that wants to sing that he killed himself on stage. Mm. And this is actually... The, the book with the hospital mm. it's a death dream of mm. that suicide stage on stage yes <laughs> suicide attempt on stage oh, now we're getting somewhere so <laughs> I'm saying the entire movie is the death dream right and you're, you're, you're saying the you're, last bit your death dream is um so, so I'm saying where he walks into the, the ocean mm -hmm. and everything from there is him trying to rationalize the things that's happening to right. him in his death. You're saying when he gets on the stage at the end and he shoots himself in the head that everything that happens after that is him trying to rationalize it. As, right. Okay. Because uh, if you take a look at it, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, let's see how gritty the whole movie looks, the mm -hmm. entirety of the movie. Yes. It's grit. Even in daylight, it's grit. Mm -hmm. There's dirt in every frame. Yeah. You know, it's gritty. It's gritty, yeah. Uh, and then... He kills himself on stage, mm. and you immediately cut to the most clinical of environments that you have. Yes. Hospital. Mm -hmm. It's white, it's clean, it's brightly lit. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. No. Uh, and then suddenly his wife loves him. Yeah. Suddenly Galifianakis comes in, mm -hmm. and he's like, you did everything you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. and, and <laughs> That's and the acceptance part. That, so, we, so we agree on that. that right. Okay, yeah. But, uh, but I think that the, accept, the real acceptance mm. happens before he got on stage with the gun. Yes. And he he was like, all right, well, I guess I'm killing myself tonight. Yeah. And then he killed himself, and then every and the, the death room is just his mind sort of telling him, hey, you did what you wanted, you can go, mm -hmm. you can die. Um, but 
and, and that's one version of, of what I think happened. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I do think that he killed himself on stage, and everything after that was a rationalization of that suicide or mm-hmm. sort of a reward for that suicide. Okay. And the other part of me thinks that he missed, blew his nose off, and then killed himself at the hospital. Okay. It's really hard for me to decide which one I agree with more. Mm-hmm. I want to go with the death dream just because it, I, I, it, it agrees with me t- uh, tonally. Okay. Um, but I really, it doesn't really matter which one happens. Yeah. The point is, he yeah. accepted that he was a, he was never going to be what he wanted. Yes, and and then killed himself. Yeah, and then w- well, possibly. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. the, he he's dead. He is dead. Yeah. Regardless, yeah, he's he's dead. He is dead. Yes. And um, but the interesting part is that there's a lot of weird imagery the moment he pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. Sort of, it's a very surreal what, moment. And that 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 is like the biggest evidence I feel like I have for the um the, for the psychology of it and for the death dream for mm-hmm. the entire time. The only thing. Unfortunately, because I mean, I think that's where it stops mm-hmm. because he's seeing a band that's going to be taking him into the place of acceptance. Right. He sees the most ridiculous things ever. Spider Man is up there with the band, <laughs> and like robots and everything is just his brain is just clocking out. Like, all it's basically like, um, unfortunately, if you've like had to be around somebody that's like on their deathbed and yeah. just like the things that they talk about, they the things that they think, yeah. yeah, they're just straight hallucinating. And that's where I feel like he's at at that point. And then we go back to the very first scene of him laying on the beach with the thing. So I, that's why I feel like he's still there, right. you know, still laying on it. Cause we get the first scene. And then as soon as all that hallucination stuff happens, we get the right scene. back to it's like sandwich between two pieces yeah. of imagery. Yeah. And, and that makes and, sense. And, and that's why I feel like that the, the scene where you were saying the very mm-hmm. clinical um, hospital scene is mm-hmm. completely different from the the movie right you know com- it's something completely different and i don't know how to put that together how to put that with, t- yeah and this is this is me putting it together mm-hmm. uh, this is how it, like I, the imagery is it's sandwiched between these two really solid pieces of mm-hmm. of Im- imagery yeah. that agree with your theory mm-hmm. but that hospital thing is kind of an outlier you're like i don't know where the fuck this really goes uh, just the, the acceptance i mean yeah. we agree that it was uh that he was finally accepting well i'm saying that he's accepting who he is and you're saying that he's ex- uh, he's being beaten by the uh yeah he's ex- he's accepting defeat mm-hmm. i'm just saying he's accepting existence he's, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think what we're saying is that you're saying he's embracing it and Somewhat, I'm saying yeah. he's rejecting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's weird. that's what I think is happening yeah, here. I think yeah. he rejects what he accepts mm. and you think he embraces what he accepts. Yeah, it's similar to the Ed Norton character. Mm-hmm. Is um Ed Norton, he has no reason to reject anything. He's, you know, full force. Whatever I am, that's what I am. Right. Like I'm impotent, so what? I have no problem telling you that. You know, with that I mean fiercely <laughs> like he was because she, she she asked him, uh, would you like to ask sex? She was like, No, it was like I have a problem getting it up and I'm afraid that you know I what I'm saying. Be he, able to. Exactly. I mean he he lets that be very well known. He he's accepting of himself. Mm-hmm. And and as soon as um, Michael Keaton's character is able to be accepting of himself, he no longer has Birdman talking shit to him about you're worthless and you shouldn't be here. Birdman had to sit there on the toilet and sit there and say nothing. You know, right. um, his wife, who was, you know, indifferent to him at best, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the movie, she was loving once again. His daughter, who is like saying, you're not shit, you're worthless, yada, yada, all the, and one of the uh, monologues that she has towards him. And at the end of the movie, she loves him again, too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just that that last uh, hospital scene was just like the acceptance of all the things, the culmination of everything that we've seen in that sandwich part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And him just being like, you know what? I can't fight this. I'm not going to be able to be what I think that I can be. I'm mm-hmm. not that. I had my time. I accept what I am. Right. Yeah. For, see, for me, like the, the, the movie's the same for both of us. Yeah. We've said that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I don't think that he was dead from the beginning of the movie. I, I can't fit yeah. that into my, into my mindset. And because cool. everything that happens up until the point where he blows himself in the head, mm-hmm. where he shoots himself in the head, yeah. uh, it, it just, it just becomes meaningless to me if, if Why? there was, a, if it was a death stream. What do you mean? Uh, because 
I mean, it's still happening in his mind. I mean, he's just rationalizing his entire life. Right. Yeah. For some reason, I just can't. I can't. I can't emotionally accept that that was the that was the the part of the movie. Why not? Because it feels it feels like a like a. It never felt like a like a battle. It never felt like he was fighting for himself. If that was the case, I mean, and, he 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 was. Ed Norton was fighting for him. Uh, Zach Galifianakis was fighting for him. And in, in in my interpretation of it, all those people are the same person. Right. You know, so it's like Michael Keaton isn't fighting for it in that version of what you're saying, but mm-hmm. Ed Norton is fighting very hard for it. Um, Zach Galifianakis, the super ego, is fighting very hard to get him exactly what he wants. You right. know, the um, the id, which is. Um, which is Ed Norton for, for me. He is just, he doesn't care about the popularity, the fame, yada, yada, yada. It's just, you just have the ego and the super ego trying to go full steam. Let's get you exactly what you want. And Zach Galifianakis and Michael Keaton are able to do that. Okay. See, th- okay, that makes sense. I, I, I just, I really like the idea of, of knowing that because Michael Keaton's character and Ed Norton's character are so polar opposite of each yeah, other. Yeah. And Ed, Ed Norton is definitely the antagonist of this movie in mm-hmm. the way that he teaches yeah. Michael Keaton how to get to the truth yeah. of a scene. Yeah. In a way, and by doing that, he sort of learns what he can be as an actor, mm-hmm. and then he he can't lift this way, yeah, because uh-uh. it just fucks him up. Yeah, uh, for me, like that had to have happened literally mm. for for Michael Keaton to have learned something and decided to not live with that, because hmm. because if if it, if it was a dream and he learned that thing from his eat from his id, it's not as important to you. It's you not. It, it's 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 just kind of like. Uh, come on like yeah. it, it, it matters it matters to you the way that somebody learns a lesson like it sounds like uh not, not the way that somebody learns a lesson but like it, this for me this really felt like an internal struggle like mm-hmm. the whole thing was an internal struggle yes and and if it didn't happen if that conflict didn't literally happen mm-hmm. and it was just on his deathbed mm-hmm. then what was the struggle for like what was he what was he what why did it happen what was the reason what was the point of it i mean he's, exactly that's that's what he's trying to figure out for himself you know what I'm saying? When, okay. he, when he when he commits suicide, when he try, when he attempts suicide, and he walks into the um, he walks into the ocean, mm-hmm. the very first thing is, why are we here? We don't belong here. And then he's trying to rationalize everything: his his life with his daughter, his life with his ex wife, mm-hmm. uh, his his life with um, you know, why didn't he fulfill the promise of making a Birdman four? Right. <laughs> you know, or 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 just not doing any more Birdmans at all? You know, he's trying to rationalize all those things like while he's possibly dying. dying. You know, okay. but like I said, like yeah. the, none of those theories even matter. No, like it, really. do, it doesn't matter. Like I said, I watched the movie the first time I had a theory. Watched the movie a second time I got a completely different theory. If I watched it the third time, I might have a third different theory. We could yeah. bring five people in here and they'll have different theories than both of us. I'm really you curious know? what Devin thinks of this movie. I actually Did have a message from Devin. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, is that what you just got when we were here? Yeah. <laughs> How convenient. Um, let's see, uh, Emma Stone's harsh, you don't matter monologue she gives to Keaton will be ranked as one of my top five all-time favorite acting moments. And it's not just the intensity of her words. Check out the um, the emotions which run through her face during the seconds after her rant ends. Mm-hmm. And she realizes she went too far. That was brilliant. Um, the camera work and editing are amazing in that film. The editing makes it seem as if they weren't edited at all at times. And another monologue from Keaton um, talking to the snobby art critic. See, that was right. your favorite. Yeah. I love that scene so yeah. much. My favorite scene of this movie mm-hmm. turned out to be the truth or dare scene oh. between Emma Stone and, and, and Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it really got to what the movie was about. Mm-hmm. It got to when it was like running away from the truth mm-hmm. or accepting the truth. Yeah. And Ed Norton always went like, truth, 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 truth. no hesitation. Yes. And Emma, Emma Stone went there, 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 no mm-hmm. hesitation. Yeah. So like, I really I, that was my favorite scene because it got to the matter of the movie. Did, did you did you notice that any time that they were out there when Ed Norton walked out that the Phantom of the Opera was playing and they would only show Phantom while he was on the screen? Oh really? 
No, they're not. That's that's what it was like. But it's like, but it doesn't do that in the um, in, in you know, it's only when he goes outside. Okay. So it's like, I'm, but like, I, like I said, like I went into Alejandro. I was like, it's all of this on purpose. Yeah, and it everything is, was. On it purpose. is on purpose, but it it's also leaving so many different ambiguous. Um, type of themes there you know because i can connect that dot and with all the rest of the dots that i've connected mm-hmm. and come to a conclusion that i feel is foolproof you can do the exact same thing that you did come to conclusion that is foolproof yeah. you know so it's like he's been able to weave three to four you know different ideas into one amazing and, but movie. i think our perceptions of how this movie is so different from each other is mm-hmm. it happens because of the way that we look at movies sure um for me, like when whenever I hear a piece of music in a film, mm-hmm. and and I hear it in the soundtrack, and I know that understand that it's a reference to something. Mm-hmm. For me, that's not a reference to what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. It's a reference. It's a thematic reference. Mm-hmm. For me, I hear that hey, this work of fiction is related to this other work of fiction yes. thematically. Yes. So for me, it's not saying like Phantom of the Opera was playing, so it means that he was fake. Right. Not saying well, that's what you're saying, mm-hmm. but. Uh, People will hear a piece of music sometimes mm-hmm. and think that it's uh, affecting related uh, directly to, that exactly. to the scene yeah. that's happening. No, for me, it's always a thematical link. Yes. So, like when when we were seeing for Midsummer uh, Macbeth, the Macbeth monologue, yeah, thematic link. The mm-hmm. Phantom thematic link. Yes. Everything that happens for me is a thematic link to another work of fiction. Mm-hmm. That if you've watched the other work of fiction, you can find out what this work of fiction is doing. Do you believe that there may be some possible double entendres, to uh, where it doesn't necessarily mean one way, one thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely because i believe this movie is just a triple entendre mm-hmm. like i mean i don't the way that i look at this movie now i can't 100 percent say that that's what he's trying to say the way that you look at it i can't 100 percent say that that's what he's trying yeah. to say and i feel like that he's trying to say all of those things yeah that's <laughs> the beautiful know? thing about this movie because yeah. we're here we've been here for uh, almost an hour debating yeah. sort of what theory yeah makes the most sense to each other yeah and and but really the matter of the fact is Alejandro wanted to say all of those three things. Yeah, yeah. That's really the only difference. Because yeah. if he wanted to say one thing, he would have said one thing. Is that because <laughs> if, if if we went to him and um and we was like, hey, what was this movie? What yeah. was this movie about? What'd you think it was about? Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what we're gonna get. It's sort of what movie was it that we think that we watched recently and we said this movie's whatever you wanted to be. Really, mm. I forgot what the movie was. I can't remember. Um, but it was a. a Ah, fuck. I don't know. About we, we, we'll watch, we watch a lot of movies. Yeah, we watch a lot of movies. <laughs> Holy was... shit, bro. Look at this shit. <laughs> 51 minutes. We can't talk for this long. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to us talk for 52 I'm gonna minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's such a good movie to talk about. I, I look at the clock when it was 50 and I didn't know. It's like, oh, fuck, it's 50. I, gotta... I, I looked at the 15 minute mark. <laughs> it's 52 minutes in. Yeah. I apologize, guys. Wow. It's all good. Um, uh, but that's the thing if Alejandro wanted to say one, one thing, thing he would have yeah. said one thing yeah. I think he, the reason he made it ambiguous because he wanted to say all three things you know? yeah. it was maybe it's mental illness maybe it's suicide maybe, maybe it just happened maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, who the fuck knows it's yeah. a movie. maybe he just has magic powers and it's yeah. all reality you know what I'm saying it's like it just right. whatever yeah. uh, and, 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 and that's why I like this movie so much yes. it, it, like the cinematography is beautiful the editing is beautiful the, yeah. the, the dialogue is beautiful yes. the Norton's character is beautiful Michael mm. Keaton's is beautiful yes. everything in this movie speaks a sort of greedy beauty it's mm. just kind of like it's dirty and it's grimy and yeah. it's like fucking disgusting and it's beautiful it is and 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 that's why i love this movie because i met all of that it's a beautiful movie and whatever you get out of it it's really what you want to get out of it, what you perceive to get out of it yeah which goes with the theme of like well is michael keaton's reality true is it not true what's happening what the fuck i don't know you're michael <laughs> keaton figure it out there's a bird man behind you 
fuck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Uh, anyway, we went 53 minutes long talking about Birdman. Yeah. It's a beautiful, fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. It mm. deserves the awards that it got. Uh, go, go, go watch it if you haven't. Yes. And if you have... Uh, do you agree with Chris? Do you agree with me? What's your take on the movie? Yeah, or give us, if you have a, a different option, yeah, you know, yeah. give us option C, D, and E. I'd love to hear that. You know? Yeah, we'd love to hear interpretations of this movie. Oh, yeah. that's, that's the fun thing about this particular movie. Yes. So hit us up, talk to us, uh, watch Birdman if you haven't watched Birdman. it. Birdman! Fucking fantastic. Oh. Fuck you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>back to the movie te- movie television yeah. fuck the television and movie, movie premieres. premieres there we go yo we just bodied completely bodied that bird man yeah. thing i'm telling you it was fucking great Shit. Like it. that's Ooh. it that's the beauty about watching movies that mean something yeah, i mean the, uh, yeah, yeah yeah not not you know what i'll wait till next week to yeah. suck her own dicks you know okay. what but, but this is this was good <laughs> This was good. I'm going to have to encourage anybody that likes the movie Birdman to listen to this episode. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's, that's another cool thing about having more than one opinion on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, with, I mean, this is this is good. This yeah. is good. That, this, it, was, it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked that, yeah. Um, oh, but this, this weekend, uh, television and movie premieres uh, for the week of Tuesday, December the 20th through Monday, January the 2nd. Uh, the first thing on Tuesday, December the 20th, uh, Gabrielle Iglesias, I'm sorry for what I said while I was hungry. Yeah. It's a stand-up special? Stand-up. Netflix? Yep. It's going to be on Netflix. Yep. Netflix is dominating the stand-up game. Dominating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's Gabriel Iglesias. I have, I've never seen any of his stand-up, but I... I he's I, funny. I, I think he's cute, though. Not like a, not, not like a sexual way, Just like, but in, like, like a, a puppy, puppy way. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I might give it a try for that. He, um, he's pretty great. He's got yeah. a couple of good specials out on Netflix. He's, okay. he's funny. That's, but that's, that's Gabriella Iglesias. I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. That's going to be on Tuesday, the 20th. Uh, the next thing is going to be Terry Crews Saves Christmas. You, you know who Terry Crews is? Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. The, uh, the, I loved him in Everybody Hates Christmas. Yeah, saying? hell yeah. Yeah, I loved him in that. He was great. Uh, it was a, My favorite... I think appearance from Terry Crews has been in White Chicks, though. Everybody loves yeah. that. Everybody, Everybody so. loves that. Uh, most recently. And I missed you. Yeah. And White Chicks. Um, he's in a show now called uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's um, it's kind of like a new version of Scrubs. Mm-hmm. As an old TV show, but yeah, it's really good. He And the Old Spice guy. He was the Old Spice oh, guy. Oh, yeah, he's the Old Spice guy, yeah, too. Yeah. He must make money just he being has loud. Be, he has to be making money. Yeah. I couldn't live that life though. Like you see how ripped he is, yeah. how in shape this guy is. Do you, you like for real? Like the amount of work he puts into it. When, whenever, whenever I see, whenever I'm watching Brooklyn Nine Nine and I see him eating something, yeah. I know that he, you, know, you know what I'm saying. It's like that he's he's thought about this food that he's gonna put into his mouth. So he probably didn't eat anything for like the last two days. Yes, to get that. ready to, for that. Yeah. Sheesh, the dedication, bro. <laughs> That's it's, it's it's like that. Um, it's like how much do you want? You know, it's like di- different things. It's like. I would. I want to look like that, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I don't. I'm not willing to put forth the effort to you don't do want that. It the same way that he wants. I don't it. want it the same way that he wants it. Clearly, he really <laughs> wants it. You know. I so, feel you. So I mean, it's like, like 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 the podcast. You know, it's like I'll go the extra mile to make sure the podcast is great. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But you know, other things, it's like, eh, yeah. you know, we can get away. With we'll it. get away. We'll be all right. <laughs> Well, that's um that's Terry Crews saves Christmas. That's gonna be on the uh, CW Tuesday the twentieth. Nice. Uh, next show is Friday December the twenty third. Sense Eight, a Christmas special. Oh yeah, Sense Eight. That was pretty. I never finished it. I it was, watched like two episodes. It was good enough. That I, was pretty good. Yeah. I, I watched the season and um 
is good enough to kill Tom, not good enough to recommend. But 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 yeah, if you have nothing to do, then yeah. I like that. I, I, I want to put that in a box of something that I make one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's good enough to kill your time. You won't recommend it. But <laughs> You're not going to go put your name and recommend it to somebody else. Like, I want that to be one of the quotes in the back. <laughs> it's good enough to waste some, to kill some time, you know. I'm not going to recommend it, but, you know, here you go. <laughs> Check it out. There you that's go. That's great. But that's a Sense8, a Christmas special. It's listed as a drama sci- sci-fi um, you know premise behind it. They yeah. they have senses and they are they're they're connected with uh, other human beings mm-hmm. and uh, they all share senses and they can tap in and out of it. So uh, that's pretty cool. That would be inconvenient after a while. As long as you're able to control it. Yeah. I want to be able to control it. Like like as you can like disconnect for it. it's like hey guys I'm popping out of the network for a bit. Yeah. That would be fine. But having like someone get stabbed and you're like ah oh, I don't want to. Yeah. No. I don't want to feel that. No, I'm I don't want to feel that. Well, I don't want to be driving and like having to sneeze because some other cunt sneezed. I mean, the the singularity is going to be here. They say that the singularity, what, 50 years, 100 years, 120? I mean, it's going to be here. We'll all, we'll all be into the fucking cloud, bro. We're going to download our fucking entity into the freaking cloud. Yep. Man, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be really, really afraid of having my head in the cloud. Yeah, man. That would be terrifying when people can access that shit. Yeah. There's shit in here that's in here for a reason. Wow, you know? they they're putting a a new spin on somebody having their head in the clouds. That, fuck, I, right. I took that from you. That's yeah. your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going before I jump out that window. This is Friday, December the twenty third, since eight, a Christmas special. Uh, it's gonna be a new two hour episode, so um, you can check that out. Uh, next is gonna be Sunday, December the twenty fifth. I circled this one just for you. I don't even watch the show, but you may watch this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Who Christmas special. Oh, yeah. I love Doctor Who. I haven't kept up with any of the latest seasons, but oh. it's fucking great. This is uh, the return of Doctor Mysterio. I don't know if that means anything. No, I'm not. No, yeah. All right. Ray right. <laughs> Mysterio making an appearance in Doctor Who? Ray Mysterio Jr.? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's a Sunday, December the 25th, Doctor Who Christmas special. Uh, next thing is going to be on January the 1st. Sunday, January yes. the 1st. is a show called The Mick. It's going to be on Fox at 8 p.m. The, the Mick. The, like Mick Jagger? You're like Mick Jagger. You're like okay. The Mick. Yeah. Uh, the single camera comedy from It's Always Sunny Philadelphia Veterans features one of the stars of the show, Caitlin Olsen. Love her. Nice. As the lead, she plays a brash, blue-collar, two-bit hustler. All right. I'm not going to read all of that, but... <laughs> It's from it's from it's from the people that that gave you always sunny funny. in Philadelphia. So it'll probably be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Kate Olsen, she's funny, so all right. Uh, but that's all in uh, in television for this week. Uh, in movies, there's a number of movies coming out. A nice. number of them. I said a uh, small number or a big number. Brian, you what? Don't encourage me. <laughs> See, I didn't qualify that. It was it was a big number. It was a large number. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the first one is called Why Him. It's rated R, 111 minute Ryan runtime. Ryan Cranston and James Franco. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Megan Mullally's in it as well. I don't know who she is. Um, Nick Offerman's wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's great. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's rated R. Has a 47 out of 100 for the Metascore. Mm-hmm. But comedies always get the shit in of the stick comedies, as far as ratings. Yeah, comedies get really <sighs> bad ratings. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Wait. Fortunate, you got Captain America. I do comic books back here. You you pointed that out like in episode twenty four. That was back there. Yeah, it was. It's, well, it was here because I read it. And okay, then okay. I put it on a shelf. Okay. And then it fell off the shelf, and I haven't picked it up. So, okay, yeah, because it's moving around now. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, what is going on with this Captain America shit? <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, that's um, that's why him rated R, hundred and eleven minute runtime. Uh, next is Patriot Day, rated R, one hundred and thirty three minute runtime. It's a drama history thriller, a seventy two meg uh, meta score. Has um, Marky Mark is in this. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mark the actual Marky Mark is going to be in. This. Oh, actually, Marky Mark. The actual, okay. Yeah, not not even Matt Damon. Just the ac- <laughs> actually Marky Mark is going to be in this one. I forgot we had that joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's become so second nature that now every time someone says Mark Wahlberg, I think. of you, you know, I was um, I was at a get together and um, and someone was like, you know, why don't you say uh, do the Puerto Rico thing anymore? And I was like, you know what, you're right. So I'm, I'm gonna bring that back eventually at, at some point. That's pretty great. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, Patriots Day rated R, 133 minute runtime. Uh, it's directed by Peter Berg, uh, starring uh, Mark Wahlberg and J.K. Simmons. Nice, J.K. Simmons. I love J.K. Simmons. Hell's yeah. He's a shit. Yeah, uh, but 72 meta score, so maybe check that out. Uh, the next thing is Silence. Yes. Is Martin that, uh, Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. Hells, yeah. In 17th century, two uh, two priests face violent persecution when they travel to Japan to locate their mentor. Oh, wow. No, oh, shit. Adam Driver, Liam Neeson. Adam Driver's in it? Adam, Liam Neeson's in it, too? Yeah, Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, Liam Neeson. I've seen this, um, the, the trailer for it at the um, Arrival movie. Mm-hmm. How'd it, it look? It looked like Martin Scorsese. Nice. I haven't seen the trailer for me yet. Too. It's... Ooh. It looks like Scorsese, but I mean the name of the movie is Silence. the 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 topic of it makes me think it's like a Oscar-y type of movie, maybe a little. It, it definitely, it definitely feels like a drama of, of someone yeah. coming against the the societal norm. Yeah, it's listed as a drama history movie. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to be very, very well done. Scorsese, but, uh, t- man. It's Scorsese. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next thing is going to be Assassin's Creed. Yes. Gamers have yes. been waiting on this for a long time. It is time. the first game movie, the first video game based movie that doesn't look like complete garbage. Oh. It's pretty great. Sorry, sorry, World of Warcraft. I mean, <laughs> sheesh, bros. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought we had one in World of Warcraft. I thought about Warcraft. <laughs> Sorry, bros. I guess you were good enough. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> then we forgot about you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Uh, oh. Assassin's Creed, because uh, what they did was really fun because they took the premise of the game, mm-hmm. but they made their own story mm-hmm. based on it. So they're not recreating the game. It's their own. It's its own thing yeah. in the same universe, and it should should be good. And it's got Michael Fassbender on it. Yeah. He's he's good. Yeah, Michael he Fassbender is good. He is. So let's not fuck it up. <laughs> uh, director uh, Justin Cruzel. Um, yeah. And I don't have to do the rundown for this. I mean, yeah. it's Assassin's Creed. You know what yeah. the fucking Assassin's Creed he is? He gets hooked to a machine and he learns how to kill people. The end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He kills them pretty well, pretty expertly. Yeah. Uh, the next movie and is... And he's got nice little wrist knife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he does have some nice some nice knives. Yeah. The next movie is a movie that I'm super upset about. Passengers. <laughs> very upset about this movie. I hate. I, hate I, I am tired of that movie. I haven't even seen it. I mean, yeah. When, 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 what a movie. Uh, Fantastic Beasts. I think it was. Yeah, we went to see Fantastic. We Beasts. went to see Fantastic Beasts, and uh, we seen the trailer for this. And the unfortunate thing about it is, I'm a really big Chris Pratt fan. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like I like Lego Movie. I like Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. I like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So it's like he seemed like he was making some very solid choices with the yeah. movies that he was t- um, doing. But I don't want him to get into that lane of becoming a movie star. The, pa- the passable what? movies. He's making the passable movies. I mean, I, mean, I feel like there, there's a different there's there's different people. You have your movie stars and you have your actors. Right. You know, uh, Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence. She was she was considered a very good actress very yeah. early on. But now with the um, the movies that she's doing, she's more getting into that. 
that movie star type right. of thing. Ashton Kutcher is a perfect example, the epitome of movie, movie star, star, not actor. Right. You know, and I don't want to see Chris Pratt dive into that movie star lane and lose all credibility as a, a talented actor. Yeah, because he's really good. He, re- he really is. So I mean, but here here's the thing. Like I, like like I'm upset about the movie too. Yeah. Because I it, it looks like a generic sci-fi. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. But uh, like. I don't know. He's making money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just don't want him to ruin his brand and then have yeah. to start doing Brendan Fraser movies. You know, like Brendan Fraser was Chris Pratt was 20 shit. years ago, man. He's kind of the shit. <laughs> you know, like he was making all the mummy movies. He was making Dudley Do-Right, um, Bedazzled. He the made that, that monkey movie that you were talking about. Yeah. That, uh, code whatever the fuck. Something. Know. Yeah. Like he yeah. was he was freaking Chris Pratt 20 years ago. Yeah, and, that's and, true. and you know where he is now? Shit, I don't. Nobody knows who this guy is. You got to make good. Doing heroin somewhere. Maybe, you know. You, Don't you, sue us, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> We're not libeling you. You know, I think we could actually afford to get Brendan Fraser on the show. We could, Don't we, say that, because <laughs> that's going to fuck up any chance of him coming on the show. What the fuck are you doing? He has nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do. We could get him on the show. You know who would be a good, low-brow, no-money-paying guest? Yep. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Let's Brendan. get him on the show. <laughs> He'll hear that and be right on his way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> First thing smoking, he'll be here. Um, but yeah, that, that's Passenger. It's PG-13, 116-minute runtime starring Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt, Michael Sheen, and Lawrence Fishburne. Michael Sheen? One of the Sheen brothers? Like Charlie Sheen? I guess, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But um, And the next movie is uh, Sing. It's a rated PG, 108-minute runtime. It's an animation. It's an animated comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 67 out of 100. Uh, the people in this movie... Yeah. Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Reese Witherspoon, uh, Seth MacFarlane, Scarlett Johansson. Nah, no, nah, I'm not buying it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get into it. I am. I, yeah. I like, I like Seth MacFarlane sing songy stuff, like um through Family Guy when he does when they do songs like that. Right. And um Scarlett Johansson when she was singing in her, I really liked her singing voice in that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just talking about like in terms of comedy. Uh, I'm just not buying. I'm not buying mm. the cast. I don't think Seth is that funny anymore. Uh, you you I know th- I'm th- not gonna yeah I'll I, agree I think I grew out of his comedy I'll agree with that uh, I don't I don't think Matthew McConaughey's I, I really don't think he's suited for comedy uh, I, I mean is there I, I assume he's gonna be the straight guy they're just using his voice you know right, that yeah. that oh, well 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 yeah, all that bullshit <laughs> you know so um I don't and, know like I like I like Scarlett Johansson but yeah. I, I'm not convinced by anybody else in the cast Reese Witherspoon <laughs> she used Reese to be all right yeah I'm gonna have to cut you off now <laughs> you've had too much. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, Reese without her spoon. <laughs> you know what? You know what? No, no, you know that. That's actually pretty good. That's okay, that's, guys. That's, I also hate myself. <laughs> Reese with her spoon or without her spoon? The the things that you don't see after the show is over. I actually go in a corner of my room and I cry while I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. That's why I'm able to do this. <laughs> oh, that's that's gold. That is gold, and that that's it no, right it's there. Not that's not gold. It. That's it's it. like fool's gold. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Gold. It's like you think it's sparkly and then you rub it and it's, it's just like, like a fuck. rock. Yeah, you just screwed up my fucking shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that it for movies? That's it, yeah. What were you going to say about Reese? 
Oh no, she used to be really cool back in the day, you know. And then she uh, she got arrested for like public intoxication like Jesus, two really? like two years ago. And then she pulled the "Do you not know who I am?" Oh yeah, I remember that. This yeah. is beyond. It's beyond. You don't know who I am. Like bitch, no, I don't know who you are. Like why why would I care who you are? Like you're drunk, you're disorderly, you're going to jail. Like what do you think true. this is? Man, Reese, we all have our moments. Yeah. Unfortunately, not all of ours get on into television. The TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was wondering. If Cat Williams could be the next um, Richard Pryor, uh, what do you mean? Because um, I, I know we've talked about this before, like mm-hmm. like months ago, yeah, like yeah almost yeah, a year ago, yeah. about Richard Pryor doing some fucked up shit, but yeah. never getting caught on camera yes, for it. Yes, <laughs> and that's what we, we brought up with the uh, the Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. And recently, si- since then, Cat Williams, you know, he got beat up by like a seven year old at like a playground or something like that. Yeah. It's like, and we're, we're seeing all this stuff, and now he's just completely fucked right now like right. on drugs like he's at the bottom of the bottom he's lost it yeah yeah he's completely lost it so it's like I'm, I'm hoping that he can reconnect get off the drugs get off alcohol and find some just find whatever he had before yeah you know I mean he was funny uh, he, was, he, was, he seemed like a nice guy he was really funny and yeah. I mean it's like he doesn't even have like the, the educated comedy that I that I really like like a like a Chris Rock mm-hmm. you know or even a Dave Chappelle you know have some some education within his comedy like uh his was like a bunch of nigga 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 fuck that shit and you smoke this weed you know it's like it was right. a, it was a lot of stuff catering and pandering to black people and black culture yeah but fucking Richard Pryor did the same thing he did. He, he did the same thing and then he he got sober came back and he didn't say nigga again he never said nigga again he made I mean it's he, people change yeah. and it's just it's basically what it is is someone that I really really admired has fallen from grace a la Kanye West and I, I, it's, it's it's tough to see. Yeah, it really it's just is tough to see. Uh, did you hear the song "Jake Files, False Prophets" by J Cole? Hell yeah! Holy fuck! Yeah, man. That was like that was like a big fuck you. No, I didn't even see, I didn't see it as a fuck you. I seen it as a um, you're my idol, you were my hero. Like, right. why are you doing this to me? Like, I love you, man. Like, I oh. saw it as a little bit of both. I, I was like, you were my idol, but now you're what the fuck are you doing? I don't need this shit. The fuck. Okay. That's kind of how I saw it. Right. It's kind of like a bittersweet, like fuck it was you, bittersweet. you were my idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a good song. I, I liked. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know J Cole was good. Oh wow! I, was, I didn't yeah. know he was good. Yeah, yes, yes. Because I, I always saw him along the lines of all the other rappers that I didn't enjoy. Like I don't think I enjoyed Chance the rapper. Yeah, I always saw him along those names. I was like, oh, this guy's not gonna be good. It's it's it's, it's similar to um, what I was talking about last week with. Um, I forgot how we got into it, but it was talking about 400 blows. Mm-hmm. I was like, somebody's going to see 400 blows, and then be like, what the fuck is this? I don't give a fuck. But then if you're like, oh, poop? Poop? Hold on. Okay, I can get signed up for that. <laughs> it was like a, in, a, in, a, in a chat message. It was like, oh, um, please send us a message about RSVP for the party. And I'm seeing all these messages about this party and everything. But then when somebody says something about tits, yeah, then I'm invested. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's some, sometimes you have to throw some shenanigans in in order to yeah. get people's attention. I, I, yeah, I, I really didn't know he was good. I heard it because yeah. of Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, he was the one that showed me the song because yeah. he put it in that news show that we were running. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, oh, Jacob's actually pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. Like, he went from, he was good for the past five years, mm-hmm. you know, but finally he said something that caught people's attention. He was like, oh, okay, y'all <laughs> oh, come over there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'll be in your corner yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, rap's, rap's been getting interesting, dude. Because yeah. I like, I mean, it's been going on for ages, but yeah. I just found out about all these people, like yeah. Run the Jewels yeah. and J. Cole, yeah. and who's the other cunt that's new? I found out about some dude called AK The Savior. He's pretty know good. Him. Yeah, I don't know him. Uh, there's a lot of people that I'm finding out about that are just like really, really good. Yeah. And I'm Charles Gambino. Yeah. I've been with him for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. he's really relatively new yeah. for me. 
So like all of these people, it's just like fuck yeah, let's just keep this going. This is good. I'm I'm upset like the um like the person you were talking about earlier on that um that when when you 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 want you you love it early on, but then mm-hmm. when it becomes bigger and it becomes the actual thing, right. you don't love it as much. Mm-hmm. And that's where hip hop is now for me. It's like I loved hip hop. 20 years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago like i loved it i grew up with it but now it's like everybody in the you know 15 to like 30 age bracket Mm -hmm. the main form of music is like hip-hop for them and it's like i'm not saying that the only they only listen to hip-hop it's just like like the main hip-hop is like the main music Mm -hmm. source you know now for 15 to 30 and that wasn't true you know 15 20 years ago and it's just weird to me. Like I was talking to Jonathan, and he was ta- showing all those hip hop things that are coming out this week mm-hmm. on the December the ninth. And I was like, "What about the Neil Young album that came out on December the ninth? Right. What about the Rolling Stones album that just came out on December the ninth? Like, there's other things happening that other than hip hop. Well, that's because hip hop gets a lot of the, the media attention. <laughs> yeah, because it it's an, it's, an, it's a sensation. It's a yeah. sensationalized medium. Medium. Yeah. Things happen in hip hop that don't happen in, in, in rock culture. Yeah. Like you're not gonna see fucking Neil Young fight the lead singer of the Rolling Stones no. on a song. No. And so it doesn't get media attention. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Hell Hop's dope. Uh, Neil Young, I gotta listen to that. Hell yeah. Raise yeah. the love, man. What, what was the album? Um, The Gold album, I think Jonathan the told me. The Gold, the Gold Rush? Is that what Gold it was? Rush. I, I think so, yeah. Right. That was uh, the one with Old Man. Dinner. Old Man, take a look at my son. Okay, I don't know. I've I just been listening <laughs> to, uh, to Raise Your Love and I think I don't need this love or something. I don't know. Oh, but yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. Music's great, man. Entertainment's great. It's just great. Yeah. Things are great. Yes. Uh, 2016 was a garbage year. No. The last couple of months really? were pretty good. You didn't like 2016? Not for entertainment, just like as a year in general. Like, like it was a your... pretty garbage year. Like, we mm. have uh, President like Donald Trump, mm. Prince died, Alan Rickman died. A lot of people died Like, the, the things that happened in the year, Standing Rock happened. All right. So, it's been a lot of garbage happening mm. <laughs> throughout the year. Uh, tw- 2016 was my best year I've had since, like, 2013. Really? 11 2013 okay. or so uh, on a personal yeah. level it's been fantastic yeah yeah on a, yeah. Like, on a like a nationwide emotional bad level, things happen yeah it's been pretty garbage bad things happen uh but the entertainment industry is like this is the great thing about art because art keeps sort of like it takes whatever happened that was pretty garbage mm-hmm. and then just kind of like makes it into art yeah and it's and we're seeing that we're seeing the last couple of years people have been pissed off about certain things and now yeah. that's coming through art yeah and i think it's i think it's a great thing oh yeah yeah. We are going to cut it short because we have talked for a shit little time. If you've listened this far, uh, kudos. Yeah, kudos to you. Yeah. We just like stroking our own dicks while we talk. That's yeah. just what we do. L- literally or literally or ah, all right, it's yeah. kind of like Birdman sometimes. Yeah. Metaphorically, yeah. you can't really tell. Can't really tell. Maybe yeah. we're all dead. I don't know. That's all folks. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes pod- Podcast app, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Holy shit, we're on a lot of stuff. Uh, you can find us there under the name for Films Like Podcast. And hit us up. Tell us what you thought about Birdman, mm-hmm. what theories you think of the, 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 the driving theory behind the movie. Mm-hmm. Comment on us, rate us, review us, go yes. on Stitcher. Stitcher is great. Yes. Uh, and... And that's it. Thank you guys for watching, and we will we'll be back next week. Yes, yes. 